Just over a month ago, a guy named Juan Guaido, the 35-year-old head of Venezuela's National Assembly, declared himself the country's acting president. Since then, the country's had two presidents, Guaido plus still sitting Nicolás Maduro. And it looks like two presidents is even worse than one. This economic crisis is a humanitarian crisis. Hyperinflation has surpassed one million percent and expected to go up even further this year. Infant mortality is soaring at a faster rate than in Syria. Listen, there's nothing left in this country. Everyone here knows it. There's no money, no food. Here we're all starving to death. Over the weekend, the tension between Guaido and Maduro threatened to reach a boiling point at the Venezuelan border with Cucuta, Colombia. On the Colombian side, tons of humanitarian aid waiting to be delivered to Venezuelans. On the Venezuelan side, security forces loyal to Maduro blocking all of it. Emiliana Duarte is a freelance journalist based in Caracas. She arrived at the border on Friday, along with a whole lot of protesters. There were groups of volunteers, more than 600,000 volunteers signed up uh, on, on a website that was calling for people to help and make their way over to the border to receive the aid, uh, and, and mostly led by, by locals in these towns um, who, who, who couldn't, I can't overstate how uh, desperate they were for, for this food to come in. So they started gathering around the different bridges. Um, um, they were led by uh, the Women in White, which is a religious group of women who were hoping to lead the march and uh, in the hopes that, that by speaking to the military and pleading and begging that this food and medicine come in from the Colombian side, uh, the military would defect and would, would ostensibly uh, switch sides. Um, but it was it was very shortly after these these demonstrations began that the National Guard began to heavily repress all the peaceful protesters who were there, um, and then some of the protesters answered um, the rubber pellets and the and the tear gas canisters with rocks and burning tires, uh, and this progressed uh, over the course of the morning until uh, groups of armed paramilitary. Uh, motorcades, uh, known in Venezuela as colectivos, arrived and they opened fire on, on the peaceful protesters. Children were crying, there were senior citizens, there were uh, women uh, who'd, who'd, who'd been separated from their children. Um, and then once they left, uh, they went over to the other two bridges uh, to do the same. Two trucks that were coming in over the Ureña Bridge uh, filled with food and medicine, boxes of food and medicine that were that were sent by the Colombian government uh, were lit on fire by these armed paramilitary groups uh, wearing hoods. And uh, several volunteers went into the burning trucks in the hopes of getting those boxes out and, and making a human cordon and, and bringing those boxes of food and medicine over to the Venezuelan side. Um, that didn't happen because the Venezuelan National Guard began shooting into the Colombian border at the protesters um, as a means of dispersing the crowds. Uh, but the anger that was felt by Venezuelans on both sides uh, upon seeing trucks filled with, with badly needed 
needed medicine uh, and and food um, was was another level of heartbreaking. Uh, I, I spoke to a, a woman who was screaming at the National Guard, pleading, begging um, that that the aid be let in, and she said, "I have cancer. I'm dying. I need medicine. I can't buy it. I can't find it. Please, please, please let the medicine through." Um, and it was to no avail because the trucks were already uh, burning. How many people were hurt? On the Colombian side, uh, I've heard that uh, 300 people were injured, and according to Colombian authorities, 37 were hospitalized. Uh, but we're still waiting on, on numbers on the Venezuelan side where the violence was, was substantially uh, worse. Did the U.S. and the other coalition members who sent this aid think it would go differently? I think the expectation was that uh, because so many people made their way over to the border uh, as, as, as peaceful protesters, that eventually the military would put down their arms and, and help this food come in. I spoke to two uh, National Guardsmen, ex-National Guardsmen who defected uh, last year, and they were on the protester side on Saturday, uh, volleying back tear gas at the military that was throwing uh, rubber pellets and, t- and tear gas at them. And both of them told me that they knew soldiers who were, who were currently blocking uh, the bridge and, and they knew that they had families and they knew that they were, just, they were having just as hard of a time uh, finding food and medicine um, as the rest of the population of these towns uh, and, and that they were, they were assured and confident that, that these uh, soldiers would eventually put down their arms and, uh, and, and join the side of the protesters and allow the aid to come in. Did that, did that work? Did any Venezuelan security forces defect? Uh, there was uh, around 60 was the last number reported uh, National Guardsmen who, who made their way over to the Colombian side of the border and swore loyalty to Juan Guaido. Uh, there was a video released last night um, where they uh, recognize uh, Juan Guaido, who is right now in Colombia as their commander-in-chief. Uh, and the last announcement was that uh, we were to expect more defections in the coming days. And this isn't just happening at the Venezuela-Colombia border, right? There's also some tension and aid trying to cross the border around Brazil? Correct. There were a couple of, of trucks full of aid that were sent in from Boavista, which is directly across from the Venezuelan border, uh, the southern Venezuelan border with Brazil. Uh, and the trucks never made it over the border. They were stopped by uh, military convoys uh, in the southern border with Brazil. Um, there were also reports of uh, ship shipments of aid coming in by sea uh, from Caribbean islands, from Curacao specifically, which were intercepted by Venezuelan uh, Navy forces and, and diverted. So no aid has come into Venezuela so far. It's been over a month now since Guaido declared that he's the interim president of Venezuela. Did the events this weekend at at the border with Colombia and Brazil change the momentum in this sort of stalemate between the two presidents? I think that because uh, because of, of, of the level of violence that was perpetrated on citizens on Saturday, uh, the day that the aid was supposed to come in, it would give reason for Guaido to ask the international community for, for even more pressure. And I think it's their hopes that it would justify uh, 
an escalation of action uh, on behalf of the surrounding countries, specifically Colombia and Brazil, um, have a lot to lose uh, in this standoff uh, because of the refugee crisis that has been going on from Venezuela. There's been Venezuelans pouring over the border, uh, both of those borders, and they've created a humanitarian uh, crisis on, on, on each of these sides of the border. Uh, it's estimated that, that uh, over three million Venezuelans have already fled and will continue to do so until the situation changes. So so countries bordering Venezuela have even more of an incentive to to help in any way they can. And their actions um, have all been aligned with uh, unconditional support of Juan Guaido. Alex Ward, you're the host of the Worldly Podcast. This border skirmish between Venezuela and Colombia right now, it seems to all be about aid, food, emergency medical supplies. Why is there so much fighting over aid? Because Venezuela is in complete collapse. Despite having massive oil reserves, Nicolas Maduro, the country's president, has horribly overseen his nation's economy. Inflation is through the roof. Hunger is through the roof. We have millions of Venezuelans leaving the country, and so it's just it's just an insanely horrible situation. Uh, poverty is everywhere. Diseases are uh, like are just widespread throughout the country. This is an insanely impoverished, destitute country right now, and so aid is incredibly more important in order to help the millions of Venezuelans suffering under Maduro. And yet Maduro says people in his country didn't need the aid. Right? Is he just lying? Is he missing something? Maduro is lying. The country needs aid. And the reason Maduro doesn't want aid is, one, it's basically an admission of failure, right, that his economic policies that he has championed and that his predecessor, Hugo Chavez, have championed have completely failed in the country. And second is he does believe that foreign aid is part of a longer-term effort to remove him from power. Hmm. And so to accept aid into the country is to basically let his own, like, overthrow start to happen. It's almost like a Trojan horse kind of thing. And this is certainly a scenario the United States considered when it sent aid to Colombia. Did they mean this aid to be something of a provocation as well? I I think there's no question. I think that's very clear. To be sure, the U.S. has been sending aid to Venezuela for years. The U.S. has also been funding opposition parties. This specific tranche that was sent last week with U.S. military cargo planes and whatnot, this was very clearly politically motivated. Because of Juan Guaido, the interim president, had a claim to make saying, I am trying to help you, the Venezuelan people, by giving you aid. Maduro is not. But there's no question that the U.S. had this in mind, that they were trying to foment the kind of civil disruption and fighting and clashes that we've seen over the the past few days. And now that this is reaching a boiling point at the borders with Brazil and Colombia, Vice President Mike Pence today dropped into Bogota at a summit with other Latin American leaders and said, What brings us together today is the recognition by all the nations gathered here that Nicolas Maduro is a usurper with no legitimate claim to power. And Nicolas Maduro must go. And over the weekend, U.S. Secretary of State Mike Pompeo said Maduro's days are numbered. Are these threats to Maduro? 
Yes, absolutely. The Trump administration has has not hidden the fact that they do not like Maduro, that it does not like Maduro. Yeah. That it wants him gone. I mean, these are very open statements. I mean, Trump has said similar things as well. So the intention is clear. Maduro must go, right? Pence has said it. The question is, how? Because it's been a month, over a month. Right. January 23rd uh, is when they, you know, Trump first recognized the Guaido government. And to be fair and to be clear, a bunch of other countries in South America and Europe have joined along with the with this U.S.-led effort. So it's not just like the U.S. unilaterally so supporting Guaido. But so far, sending aid and, and causing civil unrest is as far as we've gone. It does not look like, even though the administration says all options are on the table, it does not look like a military intervention is in the cards. Are there risks to military intervention for Venezuela, for the United States, for neighbors in the region? Oh, absolutely, right? I mean, is there any question that the American military could take down Maduro's forces? There's no question, right? But then what? Do you put Guaido in power? How do you rebuild the country? Uh, there's kind of this, fa- this famous principle that former Secretary of State Colin Powell used to say, which is, if you break it, you buy it. Mm. So, okay, let's say we break Venezuela. Maduro's out. We install Guaido. Yes, maybe good things start to happen, but the U.S. effectively owns the Venezuela recovery effort. You could assume our military being there for a long time, us spending a lot of money to develop its economy, and so it's the exact thing that Trump consistently says he doesn't want to do. What about Juan Guaido? He's not even in the country right now, right? He's in Colombia, even though Maduro placed him on a travel ban. Are they going to let him back in? So this is a massive issue, right, is that despite what the U.S. and other countries say, Maduro still has control over the authorities, Border Patrol, National Guard, military. And so if Guaido leaves... There is a chance that Maduro goes, no, he is no longer allowed back in to Venezuela. And then you just have a massive issue, right? Because then the U.S.-backed interim president is no longer allowed to be in the country that he's supposed to be interim president of. Right. So the potential for a Guaido problem like that is one of these things that I'm not sure they've totally thought through. And to be fair as well, it would be a bad move by Maduro. It would cause a bigger problem for him. It would probably lead to even more civil unrest. But I never count out Maduro doing a really, really dumb thing. So what happens next? What are the possibilities? Oh, boy. Experts I've talked to will say that the most likely scenario is Maduro stays in power. Despite the popular discontent, despite the mismanagement, despite U.S. support against him, it's more likely than not that he stays in power. He'd be a weakened leader, but he'd be a leader nonetheless. Probably the second scenario you think of is like Maduro may decide ultimately to step down, right? The sanctions have robbed him of his wealth. He's going to face this massive global effort against him forever. Maybe it's worth him stepping down and leaving and making, cutting some sort of deal with Guaido. Guaido has already offered amnesty to Maduro and military members that decide to switch sides. So maybe he takes that kind of sweet deal before it goes away. Okay. Uh, there is sort of a third option, which is that the Venezuelan military turns on Maduro, and they're sort of the power broker here now. The military is the biggest, most influential force in Venezuela, and they are currently backing Maduro. And so should it switch allegiances to Guaido, that would be a massive game changer. We don't really see that happening now. It keeps reaffirming its commitment to Maduro, but maybe it either switches sides, and then Guaido is basically in charge of the country, or even there's sort of like a military coup. Um, that's also a potential option. So these are kind of the scenarios we're thinking about. 
And then the least likely option is that we just have an all-out civil war where we don't really know what the outcome will be. And like free and fair elections, just not a not a thing that's going to happen at this point. Well, that depends, right? That the only way that happens, we think, is if Guaido does take over, calls new elections, and then we see what happens. Uh, Maduro has said he is at least thinking about calling a new election as leader, but who would buy that being legitimate? Right. We are. We've seen him basically steal elections before. We know he's a dictator. He's probably not going to allow a free and fair election. And he loses and go, OK, well, I'm out. So the only way we kind of get anything that we think might be a free and fair election would be if Guaido takes over and then actually calls it. But then we come into we don't know that much about Guaido. Right. So we don't know if he will kindly step aside. We don't know if he will put make himself a candidate. We don't know anything. We don't know if he'll just go, well, we need time to develop. And so why don't I just be president for three, five, 50 years, right? We don't know that much about him and how he would do if he were the big guy. We don't know that yet. Alex Ward is one of the hosts of the Worldly podcast from Vox. It's all about what's going on outside of the United States. I'm Sean Ramos for him. This is Today Explained. 